Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Se crece, se crece el Arsenal. Mesut Ophil. Gol vuelve. Marca Dani Welbeck, el 0-2 en medio minuto. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always with James from Gunnerblog, good morning to you. Good morning to you. And how enjoyable was that weekend? <laughs> um, it was pretty much ideal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, not just our result, obviously, but the results of the, the teams around us, really. I mean, it was it was more than we could have asked for. Yeah, I mean, should we first, um, I guess, la- laugh at the others? Yeah, by all means. And, yeah. and then we can touch on what we did. Yeah. So if we go back in time to Saturday evening and West Ham are playing at home to Liverpool and, um, well, they won and Liverpool didn't look particularly good. No, I mean, they looked... They looked a long way short of what they were last season. I mean, they always had that slightly chaotic defending style, didn't they? But um, Sean of Suarez and, and Sturridge as well, who's out injured, they, they really struggled and they were comfortably beaten, I thought, by West Ham. Yeah, what about that second goal? Did he mean it or not? <sighs> I've gone back and forwards. I think he... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He has a little look up that makes me think maybe, and he tried a couple of other things in the game, a few back heels that made me think this is a guy with a a degree of flair and creativity. Mm. So I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. What about you? Uh, I thought it was a cross to the back post, but it worked worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, Liverpool fans fuming at um, Mignolet off the back of that game. He's, He's not the most popular man, it seems, up there. Really? Yeah, he's coming for a lot of uh, criticism, especially on dealing with crosses, which against West Ham is an area of the game that comes into sharp focus. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he did well for them last season. They they all seemed to think he was an upgrade on Rayner. Yeah, I know. I just It's an odd thing I sort of noticed on, you know, on the tweets and that. Yeah. Coming for an awful lot of stick. A lot of talk about Victor Valdez, isn't there, possibly? Yeah. Coming he, in. Well, he, he's nice and injured at the moment, though, so... Indeed. And they had this uh, other guy, Rayner. Is he there? No. He is He's gone, I yeah. believe. Bayern Munich, of all yeah. places. Oh, really? That's yeah. not too bad. No. He should right be for some. Yeah, sure is. Okay, so then, uh, that's Liverpool done. And then Ma- <laughs> Leicester against Manchester United. 2-0 up and, and 3-1 up. I was sort of out and about... Um, uh, on Sunday doing some bits and pieces and I was listening to it in the, in the car and they went 2-0 up and I was like, ah, oh, fuck this shit. No, this is <laughs> typical now. They're getting themselves going. And then as I came back, it was 2-1 and then oh, 3-1 and then, well, look, that was hilarious. The first penalty <laughs> might just have been a penalty, but how uh, he got away with the, the shoulder barge, that was a foul. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a, a much clearer foul, I'd say, than the one that ends up being the penalty, don't you think? Yeah. Um, 
bizarre refereeing, like, you know, showing no consistency within within seconds. That's not like referees. No, I know. <laughs> um, but you won't find too many Arsenal fans complaining because it was cool. I mean, the two goals they scored to went ahead were both great goals. And yeah. there was, you know, the, the uh, sort of customary hailing of the return of Manchester United, you know. And, uh, you know, there was that fear of, oh, God, here they go again. They're, they're back. They've got these Galacticos in. They're playing good stuff. And then suddenly it became apparent. I mean, I can't believe we're about to say this of another club, but they haven't got any defenders. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, perverse that it's an Arsenal fan pointing that out, but they really haven't, and they haven't addressed that area of the team at all. And, you know, like us, they have a, a, a top-heavy squad, but I think at least the defenders that we're starting with are of a certain calibre, whereas with United, they just seem all over the place and the system doesn't seem to help them out at all, really. No. Fun. Fun. Really fun. Really, really fun. fun. And a nice story for Jamie Vardy as well, who despite having one of the worst haircuts in football, <clears> you know, <throat> has had a, an interesting rise from, I think he was in the, something like the seventh tier of the game about four years ago. Yeah. Um, now playing in the Premier League. Did so. somebody say, uh, did I hear somebody say he was the first uh, million pound player from the conference? Yeah, I think something he might like well have been, yeah. And really tidy only- finish, wasn't it, for the, for the fourth Leicester goal? Yeah. That was great. Brilliant first touch and the finish was just composed pretty, pretty great composure for your first Premier League goal yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah just a hilarious game really <laughs> and brilliant to see and also I think there's going to be trouble brewing there I've seen quotes from Van Gaal this morning saying well Rooney wasn't playing very well as a striker so I'm going to play him as a midfielder um, and we know what Rooney can be like when he gets gets unhappy so It'd be one to keep an eye on, definitely. Another pay rise for Rooney coming up. Be yeah, the first. <laughs> imminent. His agent will be on the blower. Yeah, million pounds a week. Don't know how he does it. The man's a genius. Uh, <laughs> Tottenham also lost. I didn't see much of that or, or hear anything about that. So that's that's funny in itself. And then, of course, we had uh, Chelsea or uh, Manchester City and Chelsea uh, in Manchester. And it looked like Chelsea were going to grind out a win. Pretty dull game all in all. Mm. Um Comments from Manuel Pellegrini about how <laughs> there were two big teams, but one of the big teams played like a small team, like Stoke. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what's got his goat this year. Yeah, he's a bit changed, isn't he? He is, yeah, very much on the on the offensive in every respect. Um, but yeah, a, a hilarious finale to that game, I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea of Lampard scoring was just, I was going, nah, could just possibly couldn't happen, couldn't And then it did, <laughs> and it was just funny. You know. Yeah. It was, I mean, you know, for Arsenal fans, it was kind of ideal because not only did it mean that both teams dropped points, uh, but there was also that kind of hilarious knife into the heart to all Chelsea fans. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we can't see enough of, really. As I said to you yesterday, the way your brother has been just texting the word Sesk to you, you really should have just sent him a text with the word Frank after he scored. <laughs> I know, I know, indeed, it was a missed opportunity. But I, I take some consolation from the fact that I know how devastated he will have been uh, at that moment. I mean, Lampard, you know, is such a, a hero to them and it will have massively hurt them to see him score in those circumstances. And also, pleasingly, it seemed to hurt him quite a lot as well. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was the mm. best part of it because you could see the like, yeah, no, oh, oh, yeah. That was the best part that he was, you know, professional enough to go and do a job, but it still annoyed him. Yeah, it wasn't just a muted celebration. It was like a, it was devastation, really. <laughs> uh, oh well, 
Yeah, so that well, was very, very enjoyable. Right, so look, enough of those cunts, and on to what we did at the weekend, which was um, quite enjoyable. That that It's not the first time we've won a game in a, in a burst like that. We seem to be capable of doing that. Mm. Uh, quite quite regularly, maybe not regularly enough. Um, but I think before we hit that patch, that really nice uh, purple goal-scoring patch, we did have Wojciech Szczesny to thank for keeping us in the game because despite the fact he gave them a, an opportunity in the, the opening minutes with a scuffed kick, that save at the back post from Kieran Clark was probably what defined the, the game. You know, yeah. we know how it is with, with, with this Arsenal side when they go a goal behind. It's not that we're not capable of coming back, but it would have been again another like, oh, here we go again. And that was a massive save. Yeah, and it would have given Villa a massive lift, the crowd a massive lift. I mean, it, it would have changed the course of the game, certainly. And it is a, it not only was an important save, it was a brilliant save. Uh, you know, Clark's got... A, pretty much a free header you know that probably warrants a bit of examination how he ended up in that position mm-hmm. what is it sort of six six yards out something like that maybe even less yeah and Chesney he pulls the sort of Schmeichel star jump doesn't he it's yeah, yeah yeah classic uh you know spreading himself to uh to block the ball and really was a, a superb stop and you know kept us at nil nil and gave us that platform to to go on and win the game but you're absolutely right shouldn't be forgotten without that the, the whole course of the game might have changed yeah and then and then it clicked up front. Um, a very interesting performance from Danny Welbeck. Um, mm. Obviously, the goal and the assist are the things that catch the eye. But the, just the way he, um, he even came into midfield to to collect that ball um, and then make the pass to Ozil. Um, you know, it's not necessarily what, what Giroud would have done, for example. You know, he no. doesn't tend to drop that deep and isn't quite that mobile. So the the impact that he's having on the way the team is going to play, uh, I think is quite interesting. I think so. I think his movement has been excellent. Um, and I think that actually applies, even with the chances that he, he missed in his first couple of games, you know, his movement onto those was very, very good. And Arsene talked after the game about his ball retention Um and I think I'm right in saying, was it sort of 97, 98% of passes? 97%, yeah. Yeah, and I think for a centre-forward, that's pretty remarkable because, you know, they're being buffeted by centre-halves the whole time. If you look at most centre-forwards, their, their figures will be probably in the 70s because there's a lot of flick-ons and things like that that are very hard to, to keep, you know, under control and keeping the possession of the team. So that's a pretty staggering uh, stat. And it reflects well on Welbeck and it shows that he can play as part of our approach game, really. You know, he can drop in, as you say, drop in deep, link up with other players. I mean, the first two goals we th- we scored, I thought were both brilliant goals, really. Yeah, yeah, f- fantastic football, just simple. Mm. And maybe um, a sign of, of what having somebody like Welbeck in the team will do, because... A, we've got well, Welbeck feeding Ozil, and then Ozil feeding Welbeck, returning the favour. But what we've got is uh, is an option there both times. It's one simple pass um, that's opened up the Villa defence or created the chance in the first place. And we know, I think, that we have been guilty, perhaps, of overcomplicating our football at times. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, and while I'm loath to get into a kind of a, a direct comparison between... Danny Welbeck and Olivier Giroud already, partly because it's not relevant until Giroud comes back. When you've got Giroud as that kind of fulcrum, that focal point, we do tend to play that kind of P 
pinball stuff in and around the box. You know, the the classic example being the the Jack Wilshire uh, Norwich goal, that yeah. kind of wonder goal. But it feels a little bit at times like we're that that might be our primary approach to trying to score, you know, a kind of uh, one in a million uh, piece of intricacy. Yeah. Whereas at Villa, there was something very straightforward and direct about the way we played. And I think having someone with pace and movement up top gives gives you those options. What did you make of the second half? I know there was a lot of talk about Villa being ill and and the players you know not feeling 100% etc but um I, I was really impressed by the way we controlled the second half uh, yeah. and it's something we've been guilty of in the past where we've got ourselves into positions and not been able to control the game properly and i know it's a bit different at 3-0 up than it is uh 2-1 up against the champions for example but w- what struck me was how we pressed them high up the pitch every time they got the ball in their in their you know uh, defensive area we pressed them we chased them we harried them uh, forced them into errors they gave the ball away um uh, and that just allowed us to ke- to keep things going no i think that's absolutely right and while we weren't necessarily chasing a, a fourth goal or anything like that we, we we didn't let our foot off the gas we just diverted our energies in in different ways um, and it wasn't as if we, we sat back and sort of, you know, put in less effort in that half. We just put it into consolidating the, the game. And I mm. found that very reassuring because I have to say, you know, I think Arsenal fans are the only team who could be 3-0 up at half time and legitimately have concerns about seeing it through. <laughs> you know, and I was sat there thinking, well, at least we didn't go to four because we'll know what happens then at half time. But like, yeah, I was very reassured by it. And I thought it was very professional. You know, Villa obviously were under the weather in several respects. But Arsenal did what they needed to do. They had the game won and they saw it out comfortably. And, uh, yeah, I was delighted, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a reassuring performance after the the midweek display against Dortmund. I think we had to respond. We had to show a bit more character and that, you know, uh, we can play football. We did that, I think, in the opening period before we scored. There was it was obvious that we were passing the ball better and moving better, uh, and, and some interesting uh, choices from the manager. He brought Casorla back in, rested Alexis, uh, brought in um, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain as well. Um, perhaps a sign that he not realizes, but is going to use the full depth of his squad and and uh, rotate things around just to keep it fresh a bit. I think so. And, you know, the changes you'd have to say work well. I mean, the big change, the one we haven't really talked about, was the the slight alteration in the system. Yeah. Obviously, um, it looked to me like a reversion to the, the kind of way we played last year. Um, the sort of 4-2-3-1, it looked like Aaron Ramsey was a bit a bit deeper alongside Mikel Arteta. And, of course, Meza Ozil playing through the middle. Uh, I mean, is that all the evidence we need that Ozil should be playing through the middle? Or is it a case that, you know, when the need arises or if the manager thinks, uh, depending on uh, who we're playing, that Ozil might be better deployed on the left and he could play Cazorla or Alexis in the middle? I mean, I I think he's still going to do that. Mm. But um, perhaps there was something of a blueprint there. And you're right about the way the system um, changed slightly. And I thought we were more effective uh, in midfield with Ramsey closer to Arteta. Um, it just seemed to work. Yeah. The, the players seem more comfortable. I mean, to be honest, that's worked 
for most of the time we've ever seen it together. You know, it, it mm. came in not last season, but the season before that. Ramsey alongside Arteta in the second half of that campaign and helped us get to fourth. I think it took us to the top of the Premier League for long spells last season. You know, Ramsey, for all his ability as a goal scorer, I do think is better coming from a deeper position. And I think Arteta benefits enormously from having someone with that kind of physicality alongside him. Yeah. I also think, you know, Wenger deserves a little bit of credit here because, you know, he takes a lot of criticism as someone who doesn't prepare the team game by game, who doesn't alter his tactics depending on the opposition. But in the wake of this match, he was pretty clear that there was a, a plan um, to get Ozil on the ball in behind their midfield because they've got a back four that's not necessarily the quickest. We know Philip Senderos well. He's playing at centre-half for them. So he, he adjusted his tactics a little bit to cope with the way Villa play and, and to hurt them. Um, and that's something he, he takes a lot of criticism for not doing on a game-by-game basis. So when he does, uh, we've got to say hats off to him. Yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with that. And uh, three delicious points while those around us drop them. So it's uh, it's been a good weekend all in all. Yeah, Everton, Everton lost as well, mm. um, who are, I suppose, in the mix for that, that top four. So really couldn't have gone much better. And in, in terms of, you know, the guys who got the goals, I don't think Arsene Wenger could have could have picked two players he'd rather see on the score sheet. No, I like the way he spoke about... I mean, obviously, um, it's not something he would bring up himself, but he was obviously asked about Danny Welbeck and Thierry Henry. Um, you know, it kind of drives you mad that, you know, everybody has to be the new somebody else yeah. rather than just a guy who's, you know, judged on, on his own merits. But um, I, I, there are some interesting similarities in that they both played wide. But Welbeck wants to be a striker and always wanted to be a striker. And Henri, when Wenger put him there in the first place, as we know, he said, what are you doing? This, You know, I'm not a striker. I haven't played here since I was 17, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, if there is a man to develop a, a, a centre forward like Danny Welbeck into something that um, many people hoped he would become, then it's then it's Arsene Wenger. Yeah, and Omri, of course, isn't the only example. You've got to look at guys like Van Persie, who, you know, came as a kind of flamboyant winger and ended up as a goal scorer. And a guy, again, like Emmanuel Adebayor, who couldn't hit a barn door when he turned up at Arsenal mm. and ended up scoring 30 <laughs> goals. Um yeah, the, the signs are promising for Welbeck and I'm glad he scored, to be honest, because I felt the scrutiny he was coming under after just two games was pretty intense uh, and a little bit more than necessary. I appreciate he missed chances in those matches, but if you look at how long it took certain other Arsenal strikers to get off the mark to score inside your third game, not too bad, really. Not too bad. And yeah, look, I think that's just the way of the world, isn't it? You know, everything is judged on um, the most recent thing. There's There's very little context given to... To stuff these days is just like, oh, well, he had a bad game last time, so he's shit. And then he had a good game, so he's great. So Now he's uh, Thierry Henry. Now yeah. he's Thierry Henry. Thank goodness for that, because we've needed a new Thierry Henry. <laughs> uh, maybe Abu Dhabi will be back tomorrow for the Capital One Cup. And as we know, he is the new Patrick Vieira. So it's all it's all coming up roses. Indeed. Right. We just okay. need to find a new Tony Adams. We'll be all right. <laughs> right. We're going to take a short break. We're back with your questions and more right after this. This week's Arscast Extra is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial to their service, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Arscast. That's audibletrial.com forward slash Arscast, and you can get a book in your ear. Every sign-up does help us here on the Arscast Extra. helps keep things going, so it's all very much appreciated. It's audibletrial.com forward slash Arscast. 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Um, now is the time where we take your questions sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog. But before we do that, we spoke last week about exciting news. We did. Mm, yeah, I recall. Yeah. Um, and I suppose today we could talk a little bit more about what that, that news is. So um, if you would like to come along to a live Arscast Extra recording, that's what we're doing. That opportunity is going to be available to you. It will. We don't quite know exactly how yet. We know that there's a venue, which is um, the bar in Union Chapel on Upper Street. Very nice, too. Nice room. Very lovely, yeah. It has a bar. It's got everything we need. And some some chairs. And um, a nice leather sofa on which we might... We could recline whilst recording... Or performing? What is it when you do it live? Is it a is it a performance or is it a recording? Do you know what? I think it might be both. A per cor- a recording, indeed. Right. And there's a, a stage as well, but it's very it's 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 a modest stage, isn't it? It's it is only slightly raised. Yes. I think the higher the stage, the more important you are generally. Yeah, yeah. we're we're working ourselves up from possibly two and a half inches. Yeah, in terms of that. stage raising, I'm talking about here, um, I, I, and we'll work our way. But this is going to happen on Monday, October the sixth, hmm. which is after the the game at Stamford Bridge. So, so it'll be a celebratory podcast. Yes, for sure. We put finally an end to that that dismal run against Chelsea, and uh, we'll be celebrating Sesk's uh, hat trick of own goals. Yeah, to give us first win over Jose Mourinho. Yeah, so that's what's going down. Here's the thing about it, though. We don't know exactly what time. It'll be evening, obviously, 7 or 8, something like that. Um, we don't know quite exactly how many tickets there are. Um, we'll figure that out, too. And we don't yet know exactly how the tickets are going to be on sale. But if you keep an eye on our Twitters, uh, at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog and on Arsblog as well, we'll give you all the details of that. There'll be a limited number of tickets. I'd say probably about, what, 120, 130? It looks that way, yeah, yeah. about that many. Um, and we'll be there and we'll do like the, the normal podcast bit and we'll do the Q&A bit. We might have some pre-prepared questions or questions from the very audience, the people that are there. Live, in the very room. In the very room itself. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll try and nab a, a special guest or something to, to come along and make an appearance. So um, that's all to come. So it is quite exciting. It is quite exciting. And of course, we will be... Live sacrificing John Terry. Well, they're in that room. Now you've given away the whole ending. Man. That was going to be the that was going to be the star bit, the encore. I know, I know, I know. But I thought, you know, we've got to shift these tickets. We've got to get people in. <laughs> it's what it's what people want to see. It is. Well, look, you got to give the people what they want. Indeed. That's right, and we 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 aim to please. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, let's do some questions, shall we? Let's do some questions. All right. I'll let you go first. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Very kind. Yeah. Um, okay, let's have a question. It's from Spornix666. That's a terrifying name. It sounds quite satanic. Yes, yeah, to be honest. I'm just going to click on his profile. Um, no, no other clue that he's a Satanist, so we'll mm. crack on. All right, good, good. He asks, what would be your starting 11 for our next fixture? Would you rotate aggressively or conservatively? Now, take conservatively, like a, a gentle fairground ride. Right. Does he mean our next Premier League fixture or the game tomorrow night? Well, I assume he means the Capital One Cup game. Um, 
because I, I don't necessarily see a, a North London derby as an opportunity to, to rotate. Yes. No, I would agree. OK, well, then, here's what I would do. Um, I'd rotate like a fox. Really? Mm-hmm. Do they rotate? They do, yeah. They're quite good at it. Okay. Um, I saw a video once, but uh, that's not neither here nor there. Right. I would I would make a lot of changes, um, primarily because I'm terrified of using all our defenders in a game like this ahead of mm-hmm. the North London derby, and because we just don't have any. So I think Ospina has to come in for Chesney, right? He's got to he's got to get a game. Yeah, he'll play definitely. Uh, Bellerin at right back. Yeah. I think he might play Chambers at, at centre half. Okay, would you? I don't know that we really have any choice. Maybe Chambers and Hayden, something like that. Okay. Because Monreal is still out as far as we know. Um, Then at left back, uh, I don't know. We've only got Gibbs or we've got the young boy that we spoke about last week, um, um, Brandon Ottweil or um, whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that would be tempting. Then in midfield, because... um, Adelaide Gunnar asked this question as well. He said, will Wenger finally say, bugger it, I'm getting my cock out against Southampton? I think we might see Arsene's cock in, in midfield. Okay. Or maybe cock could play at, uh, Cockerland could play at left-back. He has been known to fill in in the left-back position. I, I don't think that's been the rounds of possibility, no. Yeah. Um, so then Flamini, maybe if he's fit, he could come in. Diaby. He, Flamini, who has also played left-back in the yeah. past. Uh, Diaby, I think, is going to get a game. Do you, from the start? Yeah. Okay. I think Rosicki's going to play. Yeah, me too. I think mm, Podolski is going to play. Yeah. Sonogo or Joel Campbell or both could play. Yeah. So, so I think it could be quite rotating indeed. I do as well. I don't know if Yael Sonogo is going to be fit. He seems to have had this hamstring problem on the choir. Yeah, but is it hamstring or hamstring? Ah, um, we we don't know. Yeah. They, they could just be, they could have sent him off for another of his six-month training camps, like in Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, we shall find out on Tuesday when he's unveiled with his new superpowers. Mm. I, I, um, I'm inclined to agree with much of that team. I think, I mean, I hope Bellerin's all right. He didn't travel with the squad, did he, to Villa? Uh, we had the old no defenders on the bench strategy. Yeah. Um but hopefully he's well and he, he plays. Left-back and centre-back are the ones that are difficult to answer because, to be honest, I'd be loath to risk Chambers because he's going to play at right-back you know, on the weekend, isn't he, um, with Machi Debushi. We still haven't heard, actually, about his surgery, have no, we? No, we haven't heard, and that, that's a bit of a worry. But maybe the thing about Chambers is that at 19, he's he's more supple and can recover faster than Mertesacker and Koscielny who, you know, uh, as their years go on, will will find themselves more aching in the morning. It's like when you were 18, you could go out, you could drink and drink and drink, and you wake up the next morning and go, oh, I've got a hangover, and then you go for a drink and you're fine. Whereas mm. now, if I do that, it's like I have to sit in a dark room shuddering for a while before I can even contemplate going outside. Sure, so there are I, consequences. I, yeah, so I'm not that I'm saying that, you know, Chambers is a heavy drinker or anything like that. No, I'm just nor that, that Permatsaka has to sit in a dark room after every match, shuddering. No, um, but yeah, maybe he'll play. I mean, to be honest, he he could do with the experience at centre half, couldn't he? I mean, mm. he's, he's barely played there, so it might be handy for him to get a game in that position at least, in case he is required. Um, 
Left back, I wouldn't want to risk Kieran Gibbs. Natural Morales. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Injury seems a bit mysterious. Arsene Wenger um, said it's a back injury, and we don't think it'll be long-term. But you know, yeah, back that doesn't injuries. sound the most convincing, does it? No. I mean, back injuries in the great Arsenal tradition are the sort of injuries that can roll and roll on, you know, the perennial three-week absence. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd be very loath to risk Kieran Gibbs. If it meant throwing in one of the kids from the reserves or playing someone out of position, I kind of think so be it. Ahead of that, Rosicki definitely deserves a run out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I imagine it'll be Flamini and DRB sort of backing him up. And then up top, finally, we'll see uh, Joel Campbell start an Arsenal game. There's been a lot of clamour for it. Uh, and this is a, a chance for him. And like, you really think he's got to play well. Otherwise, he's just not going to get a look in, is he, anywhere? No, I mean, I think he wasn't He wasn't even on the bench um, no. to Villa Park. And I think that, you know, if he doesn't start this game, then I think we can really draw some conclusions from, from that decision. But look, let's see. I, th- I think uh, we've got plenty of options up there. So, Do you think that's the team that can win that game? Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends what Southampton do as well. Um, he might be inclined not to rotate hugely uh, and try and maintain the momentum. They've had a good start to the season, really. So, uh, well, also they're, they're probably not going to make the top four, are they? So, I think they, you know, this year having consolidated their place in the Premier League, the cups is an obvious place for them to push on. Mm. So, I kind of expect quite a strong team from them. To be honest. Thankfully, though, they seem to sell most of their good players during the summer, so maybe that evens it out. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. All right, okay. Let's move on. And here is a question, uh, and it's not the only person who asked this question. This comes from underscore at underscore Mo4. Ah, yeah. And he wants to know Aaron Ramsey's form. Is it a worry or will it be business as usual soon? Yeah, I had that question as well. Um, I think I think it is a bit of a worry, to be honest. I mean, you've always got to remember every, every time you... Uh, knock Aaron Ramsey's performances just what happened last time we were doing that on a regular basis you know he went on to produce one of the best seasons from any Arsenal player in, in living memory mm. so it, you know you can't write him off too quickly but there were some odd things about his game at Villa weren't there I mean there was that one pass that really <laughs> caught the eye <laughs> that was the most bonkers thing I mean yeah. there's one thing miscuing a pass and then there's another one basically lumping it out to the far side for a corner, you know. And Mertesacker went mental at him. Yeah, well, understandably so. I mean, it put the team under pressure when it really wasn't necessary. I mean, it's a huge miscue. He wasn't, <clears throat> you know, obviously he didn't intend for it to be <laughs> any, anything like that. But 
there were a few times, I mean, if you look at his past completion stats over the last few games, they're not that bad. They're not sort of markedly poor, are they? No, I actually did have a look at the 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 passes from from Villa Park on Saturday, and I was looking to see if there was anything I could spot in those uh, passes that he didn't make. And the 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 common thread to them, apart from that one that he, he whacked out, um, the one thing that sort of caught my eye with his passing, um, which was still at 84%, is that all of the passes he gave away, bar one um, or two maybe, were were inside their half. All of them were forward passes um, and passes where he was trying to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of balls, you know, put into the final third that didn't work out, uh, where he's actually trying to create something. So in general terms, his possession wasn't bad. Um, but it's when he was looking forward and looking to try and make something happen that his his range was well and truly off. So I think probably we can we can take some comfort in that, in that, you know, that's a consequence of of trying to create that most of the time most of the time it doesn't work no i mean the the only issue with that is that i think where ramsey's at his worst sometimes is when he's trying to force it um mm. you know when when he was producing some of his uh, let's say weaker displays for arsenal a couple of years ago it was when confidence wasn't coming to him as easily and he, he was trying things a little bit difficult you know those sort of back heels to nobody became a bit of a recurring theme, didn't they, at a certain point in his yeah. career. And actually, when his game really pushed on and developed was when he first got moved back alongside Mikel Arteta and was clearly instructed to just keep things simple. You know, he he, he did kick on to become a kind of big goal threat and someone who produced in the final third, but the base of that was him going back to you know, straightforward passing, keeping it, playing the simple pass, you know, keeping the the play moving, not forcing things too much. And I do think that in a team that's also got Meza Ozil in it, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in it, Santi Cazorla, when he's being asked to fulfil that deeper role, it's probably no bad thing for him to just take it back to basics a little. And yeah. I, I think for any player in bad form, that's the way to go, isn't it? Mm. Is he still an automatic pick for you? Um, Yeah. He is actually, because as good as Jack Wilshere has been, I just think Ramsey physically offers you so much more in, in terms of his his sheer stamina, his ability to hold players off the ball. I, I think when you look at his defensive stats, they're always pretty good, surprisingly good for someone who makes such a strong attacking impact. And I think he dovetails better with Arteta than anyone else we've got. So I, I personally would keep him in the team. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean I think there's I think there's enough strength in in the team now that rotating a little bit or changing things around a little bit doesn't doesn't weaken us in a huge way, you know, that if Wilshire's in for Ramsey or Sure. You know, I think it I think it's all right, but you know, he's just been so effective and so influential and even this season despite the fact he hasn't played particularly well, he's still got three goals. He he's capable of um just he's He's a gambler in the sense that he'll he'll get on the end of things that other players in this team don't. And maybe that the need for that might not be as high if we get Ozil and, and Welbeck clicking, but um yeah, I mean I think he's you know, he's very difficult to drop even when he's even when he's not playing particularly well. 
It's slightly that Alexis Sanchez thing, isn't it? That even when his his game isn't personally firing, he still offers an enormous amount to the team. Um, on the subject of Alexis Sanchez, the next question comes from uh, Sant Guna, and he says more passes against Aston Villa is by not having Sanchez? Question mark. Does he need to calm down his direct play? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Being yeah. I don't That's know. okay to not know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if it's if we can draw a direct correlation between more passes at Aston Villa and the way we played at Aston Villa and the fact that we don't have Alexis in the team. Um, no, I mean, Martin Keown. Did you see on Match of the Day, Martin Keown suggested I was I was a bit drunk watching Match right. of the Day. <laughs> so I don't really remember the, the, the bits. <laughs> the intricacies of that. No. Well, he, he kind of argued that uh, in the opening weeks of the season, Sanchez... It's quite a sort of dominant presence in the team, and we've we've tried to play to his beat a little, and it's been a, a slightly painful uh, process of adaptation. Mm. Take Sanchez out, and we were on more familiar territory in terms of the, you know the, the players and the personnel and the system, and we functioned slightly smoother, more fluidly uh, mm. in his absence. I mean, I I don't necessarily go with that. I'm not sure if you'd replaced. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain with Alexis Sanchez, it would have been a vastly different performance. No, I don't think so. And it it just strikes me that, um, you know, it it makes more sense for a player to get used to a team style than a team trying to adapt to one player's style. I don't think that would be the way that that Arsene Wenger would set up his team. I mean, I think when you've got a guy like Alexis there and you you obviously want to play to his strengths or or bring out the best in him, but again, it comes back to this this balance thing. So I don't necessarily think that um, what happened at at Villa Park is down to Alexis not being there. Do you think he'll come back in for the Spurs game? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. Me too. All right. Um, here's one from Sean at Atwood10. Mm. Uh, it goes back to Callum Chambers, and he asks, given the number of yellow cards he's received already, I think he's just one away from a suspension, is Callum Chambers rash, inexperienced, or enthusiastic? I think he's got two more before a suspension. Which oh, is, is it? Okay. I, th- I think one of them is in Europe, you see. I oh, think he's got yeah, four yeah, yellow yeah. cards, but one's in Europe. Um he does pick up bookings, though. I mean, uh, in the Premier League, I think it's three starts, three bookings. Um, I, I think he's all those things, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. What, was the, what was the list? Rash? It was rash, inexperienced, or enthusiastic. Yeah. I think it's a bit of all of them. Um, I think he's obviously enthusiastic, and that's fantastic. I think rashness and inexperience kind of go hand in hand, don't they? And. Mm. I think he's a little guilty on the, on that count. Um, I was worried for him at Villa Park, actually. He picked up that first booking. He got a little bit of a, you know, a, certain referees might have given him a second booking. I think it would have been tough to get sent off for those two fouls, but you've seen it happen. You can't mm. rule anything out these days. Um, and I did wonder if Arsene might think about replacing him, but to his credit, you know, after that incident, he, he got through relatively unscathed. And, uh, yeah, he needs to tread carefully, basically. I think he's got that tendency to dive in, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a composure to his football which isn't necessarily there in terms of his his uh, tackling and his willingness to, to get the ball back for the team. And I don't think you want to take that away from him. But 
certainly there are moments where he needs to learn. I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Just stay on his feet, not commit to a tackle. That's um, you know that's uh, that doesn't need to be made. Um, but that will come with time and experience. I think people forget just how inexperienced this guy is, and for him to come into this team and play the way he's been playing is is remarkable. Um, you know, especially for a defender where mistakes um, are punished generally. Uh, at this level of football, mistakes get get properly punished, um, and that can affect um, not only a player in terms of his confidence and and the way that that he plays, but the way that people view him. I mean, we've seen young defenders at Arsenal come through and start well, and people go, "This is great." But the minute um, mistakes start costing the team, there's a there isn't much forgiveness, right? And mm. sometimes it gets to a point where a player's you know career is is done and dusted. So. I think we have to be really aware that young defenders have to learn a huge amount um, and to be doing it at this level um, and doing it as well as he he is, I think, is a a real testament to his quality. But you can only imagine there'll be uh, Mertesacker in particular, I would say, um, Steve Bold as a centre half. Um, we'll be talking to him all the time about what he should be doing and, and shouldn't be doing. And it's just for him then to try and find that balance between wanting to be aggressive and, and that kind of a defender, which is great, but also, um, you know, being just that little bit more cautious at times. Yeah, I agree that the maturity and composure is shown thus far for a guy who's as young as he is, is astounding, really. I mean, he's only two months older than Hector Bellerin. You know, and who, who we see as someone who's completely raw, and I know he's got a lot more Premier League experience, but he's a really young player to be playing regularly at, in defence for a club as big as Arsenal. And mm. he, you know, he's doing extremely well. And I was really heartened. You mentioned Murtzaka there. Chambers, I think, said recently in an interview that he struck up a really good relationship with Murtzaka. He's already talking to him about the kind of things he needs to be working on, and you know, Per plays that important role in the dressing room, and it's good to see his taking Chambers under his wing, that bodes well. Yeah, I'd say he's a good teacher, Murtisacker. You know, he's a very thoughtful guy. When you see him interviewed, he's always, he always just seems smart about, Mm. you know, what he says and how he says it and how he thinks about things. So you can only just, you know, it's a good thing, I think, if you're an experienced player. It's a nice thing to have a young guy there as well that you can sort of educate and and take under your wing, as you say. Um, You know, that that adds to to the whole thing. So, yeah. Should we have another one? Why not? This is from Mick the Gooner. And he asks, I know neither of us are economists, but he asks, after the publication of the last financials, why do you think Stan's stockpiling the cash? For a spaceship. <laughs> That's it is the I'd... only logical explanation. Um, I, you see, I... I the financial side of things, um, while it's obviously good to be aware of it and everything else, I can't even begin to pretend that it's my area of expertise. No. Um, and I mean, it is the area of expertise of Swiss Ramble, and you should, if you are interested, definitely read his, his latest blog about our financial results. Yeah. It, it, you know, explains it in a way that even I could understand. Yeah, same. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean... Obviously, there are there are cash reserves for various reasons for you know uh, paying transfer fees and all those kind of things. It comes back to the age old thing of, of why aren't we using as much uh, cash as we can? 
Uh, there's there's clearly transfer budget there for the manager to spend. Um, I you know I ju- I just don't know. I don't know. Um, I would suggest going to Swiss Ramble, and people can read that and then draw their own conclusions. Um, because it's still you you hear people complain about how uh, either Usmanov or Kroenke hasn't put any money into the club. But the uh, you know what it really comes down to to me is that you know we 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 make a lot more money than we spend. And that yeah. money could be invested in the team. And I, I don't know if that's an edict from on high from Stan because he wants a Millennium Falcon of his own or whether it's Arsene Wenger's parsimonious nature. Um, you know, the the sort of cautious, conservative Arsenal that we've all come to know and love down the years. So I don't know. You got any theories? No, I must confess. I mean, I have to say uh, my glass is slightly fuller on it in that when I look at what we spent over the last 10 years versus what we spent in the last two years, there's definitely progress being made on that front. Um, our net spend is is massively up from what it has been. So things are at least moving in the right direction. Sure, see. sure. Um, but yeah, I, as for what they're actually saving up for, God only knows. As A spaceship does seem like the most probable outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, my question, is it? Yeah. I think it is. Um, boom, boom, boom. Okay, here's one from Graham Perry at gperry82, and he says, are you more worried about us conceding when the opposition has a corner or from a counter when we have a corner? <laughs> um, well, I... To be honest, still, it's, I know I don't know how serious it is, but still from still from the opposition corners, I have to say, set pieces are the the bane of our existence at the moment. It does seem odd, having improved so much on them last season, we seem to have regressed massively uh, in the early part of this campaign. Um, yeah, I can't explain it because all the positive signs that you saw last season seem to have slightly evaporated, and you know, even against Villa. I, that I felt that was where they were most dangerous. We talked about Kieran Clark's chance, and that was probably the best chance they created in the in the entire match. Mm. So, yeah, very odd one. Um, let's hope it can be ironed out pretty quickly. All right. Have you got one more? Have I got one more? Oh yeah. Go on then. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, this is from FSU Norm uh, Norm McLaughlin. Norm. Indeed. And he says, and I didn't know this, the movie Tusk is about a man turned into a walrus by a mad doctor. Have you seen that film? No. Is that the, is that Kevin Smith, the new Kevin Smith film? I don't know. I'd better check it out. Anyway, that's not the question. Have you seen the film? No, I haven't. That was just me interjecting. Right. The question is, which Premier League manager would you like to see turned into what animal? Oh, right. Um, Okay, here's what I would like to happen. I don't know if anyone... If you go to YouTube and have a look at... uh, Search for a clip, and I think it's like Japanese hornets. Mm -hmm. It shows a hive of bees. Like, there's thousands and thousands of bees. Um just buzzing around, doing their honey shit. And then along come 30 of these Japanese hornets. And they look at the bees and they go, fuck you, bees. And they go in there and they just destroy them. 
sting the shit out of them. They they bite their heads off. They've got these pincers and everything else. Right. And like in no time at all, thousands and thousands of bees are dead. And I, I like bees. I'm a I'm a fan of bees. Okay. Uh, so it's a it's a little upsetting to watch it, but the ruthless efficiency of these hornets because they're massive compared to the bees, you know, it'd be like us walking down the street and then you know giants coming and just picking us up and pulling our heads off and things like that. Right. So I would like Jose Mourinho to be turned into a hive of bees, just so he could get destroyed by Japanese hornets. <laughs> okay. I'd like that, and if they could put that up on YouTube as well, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Well, go on, you you have to pick <clears> one now. Um, I'd go Mourinho again, I think, and I'd probably make him a dung beetle, just because <laughs> it'd be quite funny to see him sort of rolling around a big ball of shit. Yeah, constantly. but aren't they just kind of happy doing that? Because that's what they do. You know, you're a dung beetle. It's not like you're going, oh, God, I have to play with poo. It's like, yay, poo. I think they say that, but they can't mean it, can they? It's like, you know, when you speak to accountants and they say they're happy what they're doing. <laughs> I'm not convinced. You know, it's just like, I'm a dung beetle. I've got to make the best of it. Yeah. And I think if you put Jose Mourinho in that body, he'd still have the sort of cognizance of, you know, I am a Champions League winner dwarfed by an enormous ball of shit. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to turn Brendan Rogers into a polar bear in a zoo run by assholes in a hot climate. It's <laughs> just sitting there like the most miserable polar bear in the world. He looked very much like that polar bear at the weekend. I have to say his expression was delightfully similar. Yeah. All right. I've got one final one. Um, okay. Right. It comes from uh, At Breakfast Towel, and it's uh, Joaquin Guevara. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to know, would you rather have spaghetti hair, jelly nails... Or Britney Spears fantasy perfume sweat. Wow. Yeah. Um, it strikes me that the sweat is definitely the best option. Is that? Is there something? Am I missing something here? I, I don't know. I just I just assume that uh, any celebrity that puts their name to a fragrance, it ju- it's a it's an awful awful smell. I'm not familiar. With Britney Spears' fantasy perfume. No, no, neither am I, but it's like, you know, when you see uh, Paris Hilton or David Beckham, you know, they're, yeah, probably quite gross, the smells. It's true, but then you haven't smelt my sweat too much, at too much proximity. Not, not very often. No, I mean, if you come, guys, if you come to the live podcast, that's a treat that could await you. <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows, if I shake my head dramatically... It might even reach you in the audience. Wow. Imagine that. You could collect it and clone me. But I think uh, I would still go for that. That's the one that seems like an upgrade to me. I mean, spaghetti hair arguably is better than what hair I have remaining. Um, (laughs) But I think given my voracious appetite, it wouldn't last very long. Jelly nails, I bite my nails already. That's only going to exacerbate the problem. Uh, So it's got to be switch the sweat for the perfume. Right. I just think, you know, I'd make a better impression in the gym. Mm. Um, what about yourself? I think I'd have to go with spaghetti hair. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like to smell like Britney Spears' fantasy perfume. 
I don't. Fair I enough. Just, Each I, to their own. Yeah, no, that's fine. You know, I'm just too sickly. Right. I would you say prefer your natural scent. My my natural musk. musk. Yes, yeah. indeed. Jelly nails would be no good because you'd never be able to like open things like a tin and that. You know, I mean, yeah, I can't do like, that already. It's infuriating. Yeah, I bite my nails too, but not not too badly. But yeah, no, that right. that would be bad. Or if you, yeah, gross. Your top of your fingers would be all like squidgy and shit. So it strikes me that spaghetti hair, and, you know, given that this is a fantasy situation, I would have it like Heinz spaghetti hair, like tins of Heinz spaghetti, which, as we know, is delicious, hot or cold. And um, maybe you could be like that guy, uh, you know, was one of those things where you got, like, plasticine and you just did a thing and all the hair came out again. Like you just stuff his. I can't remember oh, what yeah, that toy. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, that yeah. guy? Play doh. Play doh. Yeah. So you yeah. get you get the little figure, and then you wind it up, and oh, the hair would all come out, and then you could cut his hair off. So you, you could easily, if you're going to have spaghetti hair, have that kind of re- self regenerating spaghetti hair. And, uh, and how would you wear it? Would you have it, you know, uh, loose, a la a la Rizitsky? Would you tie it back, a la Jovino? You could do whatever you wanted. That's yeah. the beauty of it. You could do whatever you wanted. Um, certainly, uh, the Gervinho look is is strong, isn't it? We saw that picture of the weekend. Is that a real picture? I don't know. I'm. I hope not, because it's actually a bit frightening. I googled something about Gervinho. Have we got time for this? Yeah, go ahead. Um, what uh, was it called? Hang on. Basically, I was looking him up, and because I was trying to discern, if you haven't seen it, it's a picture of Gervinho playing for Roma, where his um, braids have been. I don't know, carried back by the wind and his the full extent of his enormous forehead is revealed. And I'm not sure if it's photoshopped or not. But apparently, I went on the men's hair forum, <laughs> right? Now, I check in regularly, as you can imagine. Well, yeah, you you know, you've got, you've got some work to do there. Yeah. I was just going through my bookmarks mm-hmm. and I read this piece. Um, and it says, soccer player Jovino has massive hairline receding and hair loss from traction alopecia caused by the braid's hairstyle ripping his hair from the follicle. Wow. Self-destruction. Yeah. It sounds like that the argument that these people make, they say traction alopecia is a form of hair loss that is caused from pulling the hair or from exposing the hair to a lot of tensile stress for too long, as in the case of braiding hair. So they're saying that actually... It's the, the weight of gravity upon his braids has pulled his hair away from his head. Wow. Well, it didn't happen to Bakary Sanya, though. No. Yeah. But, well, yeah, but I think he had extensions, so it's not clear with Bak, you know, uh, what, that's true. where the truth lies. It could be Gervinho could have, you know, he could just have discovered a new way of carrying his shopping home. Like, he could have one of those little old lady shopping trolleys, and he would have just said, I don't feel like pulling this with my hands. I'll just use my hair. Yeah, and just walk along, sort of backwards, you know, with his hair tied to the to the handle of the thing. I'd say that's probably what it was. When I was a teenager, there was a sort of a brief fashion for these rubber spring key rings that would sort of dangle down from oh, your belt, yeah. and it, it looks a little bit like Javina's just sort of attached a series of those to his head. <laughs> um, yeah. Bless him. So it, it seems like it may be self-inflicted, it well, transpires. Well, look, if anybody deserves spaghetti hair, I think we should bypass that choice and, and give it to Gervinho. Um, Indeed. You know, just sort sort his whole life out, I think. Yeah. Like, right. Aiden, like Aiden Drum. Is that his name? Is that a fairy tale? Maybe. Uh, 
I, I have no idea what you're talking about. A nursery rhyme. I believe there is a nursery rhyme. Aiken drum. His hair was made of spaghetti. It does exist. Tweet in, guys. Back me up. Right. I never heard of it, but, you know, hey. Let's get out of it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Keep an eye on the Twitters and the websites for details about the live Arsecast Extra recording, how you can get tickets and come along and have a beer and, you know, throw things at us, provided they're not too heavy. Not, no tinned goods, shall we no. say. No yeah. Tickets. All right. On, All right. We, we'll uh, we'll be back next Monday with another Arscast Extra. Friday we'll have the Arscast looking ahead to the North London Derby. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.